Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Howdy, folks. How's it going, Randy? Oh, it's going well. Uh, you know, kind of a, a lazy uh, Super Bowl Sunday around here. <laughs> uh, for those of you listening to this, uh, you now know when we're recording our podcast. Yeah, it's right. happening right now. <laughs> So uh, that might tell you a little something about us. Um, <laughs> the Super Bowl is going on right now, and we're recording Trek Trek. So uh, <laughs> priorities, Star Trek, priorities. yeah, Star Trek or football? Mm, always Star Trek. Yeah, uh, you know, not not a whole heck of a lot going on. I, you know, I obviously I watched uh, this week. I watched two more episodes of Enterprise for us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing you did too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I told yeah. you. Yeah, no, yeah, of oh, course, you, of course, I watched it. You're not gonna just try to wing it this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let me guess. Uh, they're in the expanse, so there's gonna be something with anomalies. Uh, uh Archer's gonna be angry. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, Trip, he he, just, he does cool stuff, and and Reed, mm-hmm. he does stuff too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He shoots things. Uh, yeah. Talks about a military <laughs> strategy. Uh, to Paul is you know uh, distant, doesn't believe in time travel. You know that sort of thing. I'm actually I'm really interested. Uh, we we had I think thought we had a really good discussion last week about um, similitude, um, which was probably one of the best, if not the best, episode yet of Enterprise. I'm interested to hear your take on the, this week's episodes. There's a couple of different ones. Yeah, uh, we're going to talk about. Star Trek Enterprise, Season 3, Episode 11. Uh, so 311, like the band. Oh, or the area code. Or, yeah. uh, it's named after. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carpenter Street. Oh, is that in the 311? Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, original air date, November 26, 2003. Oh, and how far into this the series are we at this point? Uh, we're almost at the halfway point. There are All 24 right. episodes in this season. Hmm. So after this episode of Trek Trek, we'll be at the halfway point. Awesome. Uh, so Carpenter Street opens on a city street at night. Uh, the city looks like basically modern day. For mm-hmm. us, not for yeah. Enterprise. Yeah, so it's not like it opens on San Francisco <laughs> in the timeline of Enterprise, as we've seen in past episodes. No, this is a this is a gritty current day uh, city street. Yeah, uh, some guy played by character actor Leland Orser. It's been mm, a lot yeah. of Star Trek stuff, uh-huh. uh huh, as well as a lot of other movies and TV Lots shows. Lots of stuff. Uh, he goes into his apartment and is surprised to hear the telephone ring. And he's talking to someone about being paid to use a sedative. Uh, it's clearly not the first time that he's done this. Uh-huh. And we find out that the person on the other end of the line is a Zindi reptilian. Uh, then's the opening credits. When the episode returns, um, the man, uh, Leland Orser, uh, he picks up a prostitute. Uh, the guy apparently works at a blood bank. Uh, he knocks the prostitute out and takes her to a big industrial building. And we learn that the man is named Loomis. Uh, oh. Like, like from Halloween. Yeah, exactly. Carpenter Street. Hmm, interesting. And kind of a scary premise. All right. 
Uh, there are a bunch of unconscious people in this building. Uh, on Enterprise, so we are watching an episode of Enterprise. <laughs> you wouldn't have known it so far. Uh, Archer is in the galley making a midnight snack. Uh, he gives Porthos some cheese, although, as we know, Porthos doesn't do well with cheese. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he likes cheese, but it's not good for him. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. Was that just because he can't resist Porthos? Well, Porthos is a very cute dog, so mm-hmm. it's understandable. Uh, suddenly, Crewman Daniels appears. We haven't Uh-oh. seen him in a while. Hmm, time travel, Time obviously. travel. Yes. Uh, Daniels doesn't know anything about the conflict between humans and the Zindi because it was never supposed to happen. Uh, Daniels is on Enterprise because three Zindi have been detected in Detroit, Michigan, 150 years ago. Okay. Uh, I should be interesting to find out why they were there or why they are there. Uh, Archer can only bring one other person with him on his trip to the past. So he chooses the time travel skeptic to Paul. Uh, they walk through a door and are instantly transported to early 21st century Detroit. And the first thing they do is steal a truck so that they can scan the city for the Zindi. So they don't care about messing with the timeline. No, clearly not. Or, or nor do they care about, you know, stealing a truck or, you know, any of that. There, there's, there's a scene, uh, I, I think they're in the scene when they're stealing the truck. Um, there's, there's a little bit of kind of, I don't know if it's comedy per se, but, but like they, they try to get in one of the, the vehicles or one of the cars and there's like a dog in there and it scares Archer, that kind of thing, you know, so they're trying to make the past earth seem scary. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's at night and unfamiliar to them. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Loomis goes to the apartment of a man named Lawrence Strode, like Laurie Strode from Halloween. Oh. Uh, presumably because he wants to kidnap him and hand him over to the Zindi. Uh, Archer and T'Pol find the three Zindi biosigns. Archer orders that phase pistols be set to kill because stun had no effect on the Zindi when they encountered them before. Uh, Loomis drives up to deliver Lawrence. Uh, the Zindi need two more blood types, and they need them by the next day, so they double Loomis's fee. Uh, Loomis leaves, and Archer and T'Pol follow him to his apartment. Loomis tries to run, but T'Pol stops him with a Vulcan nerve pinch. Uh, when Loomis wakes up, Archer and T'Pol interrogate him. The Zindi's building is on Carpenter Street, hence the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Archer gets all Jack Bauer on Loomis, uh, to get information. He, he has to Paul untie Loomis and then he just starts beating on him. <laughs> he, he really likes to, uh, get physical with detainees. Yes. Uh, Archer hatches a plan to have Loomis deliver, uh, Archer to the Zindi as he has the B negative blood that the Zindi are looking for. Um, Zindi are also looking for someone with AB positive blood. Uh, Loomis drops Archer off and Archer is awake as a Zindi draws blood from his neck, which looked very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, he, but he's able to, um, act like he's okay with it or, you know, not wake up or whatever. Yeah. He, Archer's a very good actor, apparently. Mm-hmm. 
later, Archer tells to Paul that the Zindi have a bioreactor and are making a virus. And he mentions that Regine, remember her, had mm-hmm. warned them uh, that the Zindi was working on a bioweapon. In addition to the planet killer. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've heard it mentioned a couple of times since then, but this is the first actual glimpse into what it is. Uh, Archer shoots a Zindi, but the other two Zindi escape with the virus, and Archer runs after him. Uh, Tabal has Loomis drive to a point where they can trap the Zindi, but Loomis uses the car's horn to warn them. Uh, Archer shoots one of the Zindi. Loomis tries to attack Tabal with a switchblade that he had hidden in his car seat, and uh, she stuns Loomis with her phase pistol and then joins Archer in pursuit of the final Zindi and the virus. Mm-hmm. On a rooftop, the Zindi is about to release the virus. Uh, it won't wipe out all of humanity, as the Zindi couldn't program the virus to affect the last blood type, but it would obviously do significant damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess once it spreads, right? Yes. It's uh, not going to just instantly work. I'm like, what is the plan here exactly? Uh, there's a shootout on the rooftop as T'Pol keeps the Zindi occupied while Archer flanks him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Archer gets the upper hand, shoots the Zindi, and he manages to keep the virus from being unleashed on the world. In a, in a, a dramatic slow-mo sequence of catching it before it falls and breaks. But it was really cheap slow-mo. They didn't yes. have slow-mo cameras. They just filmed it normally and then slowed and down the video. <laughs> it was really choppy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, later, Archer and Paul walk back onto Enterprise through the door they went through earlier, and it's as if no time has passed. Mm. Uh, fortunately for the timeline, Archer and Paul have brought the Zindi and their equipment with them. Uh, back in early 21st century Detroit, cops arrest Loomis for abducting six people after they got an anonymous tip, and Loomis sounds crazy as he talks about lizard people <laughs> and ray guns. <laughs> and the episode ends. <laughs> So I'm not sure if this episode is supposed to be creepy or funny or both. Um, I thought it was kind of creepy. It, you, you kind of, it, Loomis was very much like, I mean, he had that, definitely had that serial killer stalker vibe to him mm-hmm. uh, going around. Um, you know, I thought that uh, it was definitely like a moody episode. Um, but I'm not sure if it was necessarily a great episode. It was I mean, not I, a good episode. <laughs> I have, you know, I have one of my, my mental notes I made while watching it was that, um, I, I, I just, the logic of their presence in, um, in that timeline, um, and, and, and how they, you know, I guess we, they, we've seen that they can get to Earth, uh, because their weapon can get to Earth. So it's, it's not a big deal. I guess, you know, by going back to, you know, a, an earlier point, they they stand less chance of being detected, et cetera. But I, I, I just kind of wonder, you know, why didn't they just, you know, go back really far and, you know, prevent mankind from ever, you know, crawling onto the land or you know what i mean that like, is the exact note i have about this <laughs> because if they have time travel technology they should be able to wipe out humanity 
Yeah, like, like, just go, just travel back to when, you know, single cell organisms are, you know, starting to flourish and just poison them or something. Like, this, this plan seems to require way too much effort on their part. Yeah. You know, like, like, can't they just nuke the earth when, you know, and, and just prevent, uh, prevent life from ever really even, human life from ever starting. But, um, so that seemed kind of silly to me, but, um. You know, I did. I liked some of what they went for. Um, you know, I've, I've certainly, you and I both have certainly seen a lot of Star Trek where, you know, they, they travel back in time to, you know, either present day Earth at the time of the, uh, you know, whenever the, the certain episode is aired, you know, it's usually present day Earth or, you know, sometimes they've tra like, uh, original series, you know, they travel back to like, you know, the gangster era and stuff like that. But, um, you know, this, this one, usually it's on other, um, another Star Trek series like, uh, Voyager, it's played a little more for laughs, uh, or there's a little more, you know, fish out of water than there was here. Mm -hmm. Uh, this was a very serious episode. I, and I think, you know, if, if, even though it doesn't involve time travel, if we consider, you know, North Star to be, which was only a couple episodes ago, to be a, a time travel episode. I prefer that. Yes. Uh, you know, that wasn't a superb episode by any means, but I prefer that as a as a time travel, you know, story. Yeah, they really wanted that uh, kind of Star Trek Four type thing where they go back to mm -hmm. modern day. Uh, but like you said, they didn't play it for laughs, really, which mm -hmm. was a little bit of a weird direction. Mm hmm. Uh, but you know, they called it Carpenter Street. They'd had a lot of references to yeah, John Carpenter. A lot. There was like a Mr. Myers and, you know, he drives, the, uh, Loomis drives this, a station wagon, like, uh, in, in, like the, the character he's named after in the, in, in, in Halloween. You know, it's just a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of stuff in, in similarity, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was not a good episode. Yeah, um, and and to follow up, you know, following up, uh, similitude with this was a little, a little dicey. Yeah, it's just. I mean, I enjoy the temporal Cold War stuff in general, but it yeah wasn't great this time. And I'm real. We've discussed this before, but I'm really sick of T'Pol's stubbornness about time travel. She's experienced it multiple <laughs> oh, times. Yeah, and hopefully at this point, I mean, hopefully now that this has happened, she'll finally just give up. And it's know. so weird because it's illogical to be that stubborn about time travel if you've mm -hmm. experienced it. Mm -hmm. But definitely, yeah. Um, couple other notes. Uh, they straight up steal cash from an ATM using a tricorder. Mm -hmm. uh, so they steal a car and they steal money. And that reminded me of uh, T two Terminator two. Oh right, that's right. Uh, and at Burgerland, Archer, who usually has a pretty wide palate, uh, mm -hmm. he, he just wants a hamburger with ketchup only. Yeah, and then there's a there's there's a little bit of a joke with T'Pol and you know asking if the salad has animal products and they say something about well we can add bacon and she's like no thank you. Uh so there there is something there where um uh what's his name? Loomis uh after you know she says she doesn't want anything, he says have it your way. 
And I was like, I, is that like a Burger King reference? Like, yeah. what's going on? Was yeah. it like a subtle product placement? <laughs> yeah, you figured they could just go to an actual Burger King then. But Yeah, and, and the whole time, Archer just seems so ticked off. Like, he just so doesn't want to be there. He's just like, what is this? I don't want, I don't want a hamburger. What is this? <laughs> Anyways, all right. All righty. Uh, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Chosen Realm. All right. UPN Wednesday, an all-new Star Trek Enterprise. My faith obligates me to destroy your ship and put your crew to death. Hijacked. You're trying to wipe out everyone who doesn't share your beliefs. All in the name of God. You wanted to kill someone. Kill me. And we're back. Uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3, Episode 12, Chosen Realm. Original air date, January 14th, 2004. So this is after the hiatus. Uh, take away, Randy. All right. So this episode starts out. Uh, Trip and Travis are in a shuttle pod, and they are skimming over the surface of another of the massive spheres in the Delphic Expanse. Uh, they note that it is completely identical to the other two they've uh, encountered. Uh, they take some readings uh, for T'Pol, and they're heading back to Enterprise. Uh, when we see, from the point of view on board the bridge of an alien ship, its crew is watching the pod depart. Uh, a man on the bridge wants to know what kind of armaments the Enterprise has, uh, and says that they may have found what they've been looking for. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> <laughs> Opening credits. I don't think that they have a good intentions for our crew. No, they? no. <laughs> Uh, we come back, and Archer and T'Pol are in the command center reviewing uh, the data that was collected. Uh, they are still not sure of the true purpose of these giant spheres. Uh, they get a call from Reed on the bridge. Uh, a ship has come out of warp and is in distress. Uh, it turns out that this ship, a smaller ship, was caught up in some of the Delphic anomalies. Uh, there are 23 life signs on board, and Archer hails the ship. Uh, the alien captain asks him for help. Uh, Archer says to let them dock, but he wants the crew and passengers checked for weapons. So clearly, at least he's learned a lesson, uh, not to just blindly trust the, uh, occupants of ships in distress. Yeah, in but the it's, Delphic Expanse. But it's still gonna bite him. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> In sick bay, Phlox is treating injuries uh, from those on board. Uh, these injuries were sustained from anomalies, as we've seen with past alien races from the Expanse. Uh, it seems that these aliens have been near the anomalies generated by the spheres for months, perhaps. Archer wants to know where the captain is. Flox tells him that he prefers the term prenam, uh, a religious designation. Uh, we meet, uh, Dijama, uh, who is their prenam. Uh, they are on a pilgrimage to the 12th sphere. Uh, Archer says, well, maybe in that case, uh, we can trade some info on the spheres over dinner with my science officer. To Paul. Uh, we find out over this dinner uh, that they are from a planet called Trianon. Uh, they c 
call uh, what the Enterprise refers to as the Delphic Expanse the Chosen Realm. Ah, the title. Yeah, hence the title. Uh, He talks about a group known as the Makers uh, and how uh, Dijamat's um, people worship these fears, which were created by the Makers. Uh, Archer says the Enterprise has so far encountered three of the spheres, Dijamat tells them that he has seen only one of the thousands of spheres that exist. Uh, they tell Dijamat that they've calculated there are only 59 spheres in the expanse. But he says, with the makers, there is no doubt. Uh, DePaul points out that doubt is the basis of scientific progress. So basically raining on his religious parade. Yeah, it's a science versus religion debate again. Yeah, yeah. So not exactly the most... Uh, uh, in, intriguing, uh, little plot there. <laughs> uh, after this, Phlox is visited in sick bay, uh, by one of the, uh, female, uh, from the, uh, alien species, uh, who wishes to speak with him in private. We don't actually get to see what it's about because next we go to the mess hall. Uh, Dijamat and, uh, some of his men are, are eating. Uh, he's speaking with one of his men in particular. He wants to know if everyone is in place. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> his, his man, uh, uh, I guess his, his, uh, kind of assistant lieutenant guy, uh, seems hesitant to go through with whatever they have planned and wants to know if it's the right, the right thing to do. Uh, Dijamat tells him that the Enterprise crew has desecrated a sphere. Um, and I'm not sure if he mentions at this point if he's talking about scanning the sphere or if he knows that they've, um, had an interaction or, or, you know, actually fired upon one of the spheres before. I'm guessing it, he meant this sphere, just like touching down upon it or something. Right. I desecrated it. Um, so it's clear that they want the Enterprise for some reason. Uh, and Dijamot believes that Enterprise was sent to them by the makers. So it's kind of like, ah, the makers sent it to us. We've got to take it. Right? We're the chosen ones in the chosen realm. Yeah. Uh, in the command center, Archer and Paul are discussing, uh, the Trianons, uh, and how they believe the spheres are reshaping the expanse for the return of the makers. So getting it ready for the makers return. Uh, so Paul points out that despite um, Archer not believing any of this, that all mythology has some basis in fact, which makes me wonder if, you know, that's going to play into a future episode in some way that, you know, once we find out the, the basis of, you know, what the, the spheres are all about it. Their role have been some something to do with these makers, or what if the makers are are humans from the future? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, anything's possible. It seems we can go back to past Detroit and you know create a super virus. <laughs> well, anything's possible. Hopefully, we do get some answers about these spheres. Yeah, I've got to think that they're really central to you know however the season's going to end. So we shall see. Um, Dijama enters the command center, uh, and explains that he and his people are taking over the Enterprise. Surprise, surprise. Uh, because they're going to go on a glorious mission. Sounds great. Uh, oh, and not only that, but, you know, don't try to resist us because our people, they didn't have guns, but they're packed with organic explosives. Uh, in order to prove this point, uh, in a corridor on the Enterprise, uh, one of his men is, uh, preparing to blow himself up. 
uh, as a crew crewman approaches and does just that. So we get an exterior shot of the ship, a uh, big explosion. There's a hole in the hull. Um, and you know, he kind of says, yeah, all our, our, all our people are, are loaded with those explosives. And in fact, I have two men stationed next to the warp reactor. So don't try anything funny, basically. Um, you know, after this happens, um, he and Archer have some words, obviously. Uh, he says, you know, Archer, you got to understand, you know, you, lo- you may have lost a crewman, but I lost one of my crew too, you know? <laughs> and he says, you'll say a prayer for both of them. And Archer says, don't hold your breath. Or no, he says, hold your breath or something like that under his breath. Uh, because he's, he's angry. Yeah. He's angry. As he should angry. be. Yeah, of course. On the bridge, Dijamat, uh, tells, uh, Travis to plot a course uh, for Trianon uh, at maximum warp. In the command center, uh, Ujimot tells Archer uh, that his people, uh, his his followers and, and their, their like, uh, have been at war with heretics for centuries. Um, he plans to use Enterprise to wipe them out, hence why he was asking about um, the armaments earlier on, or wondering about them. But before they can do this, Archer has to choose someone to die for desecrating the sphere. Uh, he gives him six hours to make the decision. Uh, in his quarters, Archer is visited by uh, the right hand of uh, Dijamot, who we found out was named Yarik. Uh, his wife was the one who had visited flocks. It turns out she's pregnant and wants to end the pregnancy. Uh, despite this, and despite Archer kind of trying to get him to come over to the Enterprise side, uh, he denies being unhappy with what's going on. Uh, but next we see Yarrick and his wife in a uh, in one of the corridors talking. Uh, he's very upset that she went to see Flocks, but she doesn't want their child being part of this war. Uh, in the ready room, uh, Archer and Dijamot are talking. Uh, Archer says that he won't let his ship be used for murder. Dijamot says, oh, but it's okay to torture people on your ship. Uh, going back to the episode Anomaly, uh, where Archer f- threatened to uh, uh, send that uh, space pirate out of the airlock, I guess. Mm-hmm. He wants to know if Archer's decided who will give their life. And, of course, Archer says, I'll give my life. No, Archer, not my life. Archer, <laughs> Archer says he'll give his life. Uh, and that uh, he requests that they do this via a device on board the ship that they sometimes use to dispose of waste. So, of course, it's the transporter. Yep. Uh, they demonstrate sending, I guess, kind of like a transporter test cylinder or maybe some trash <laughs> via the transporter. Uh, I guess Dijamot's pretty uh, okay with this. And so Paul transports Archer after they have a couple of words with one another. Uh, I mean, Archer and Dijamot, not Archer and Paul. Uh, we get a short scene with Dijamot and uh, Yarrick where he seems unsure of the plan still. Uh, and I think the point of this scene is when Dijamot tells Yarrick that he doesn't want him becoming a heretic. And basically anyone who questions Dijamot is a heretic. Like anyone, if you're not with me, you're against me. Yep. Ah, so in sick bay. Flox uh, is at his terminal when he receives a text message. I guess that's what I wrote. He gets a text. <laughs> yeah, that, a text. I wrote down texting exists into the future. Yeah, so they're basically, you know, they're using, you know, Facebook Messenger on the Enterprise. Uh, and uh, he gets a message that says, don't feed him any cheese. 
And, of course, it's Archer, who's, of course, not dead. Uh, this was actually a reference back to an earlier episode where Flock said that they should have a code uh, for situations like this. Mm. And, uh, yeah, um, I actually did some some research on that. I was like, well, what is this? Is it just that he knows not to feed Porthos cheese? Maybe he should. Um, so, basically, they, they realize that they could try to disarm the organic explosives, but they'll need uh, bioscans of the aliens in order to do this. So, um, in a corridor, we see Archer jump out at an alien and uh, knock him out and scan him. Uh, I, I noted that he quips about, uh, you know, I know medical scans are against your beliefs, but you're just going to have to deal with it or something <laughs> like that. Something something snarky. But is it really against their beliefs? Because really they just wanted to hide that they had explosives. Yeah, that's true. I, mean, I guess maybe he was pointing that out. I don't know. Maybe it was like a sarcastic thing. Um, Like, oh, it's against your beliefs, huh? Well, I know why. Because you had bombs in you. <laughs> so Dijava and his and his gang have noticed that one of their their guys is missing. Um uh, on the bridge, uh Dijama is, you know, not happy with this, uh, and he's also not happy that they're dropping out of warp and losing power. Uh after uh Archer jumps another one of their guys, uh Yarik is is along with this this guy that he jumps, uh, and is basically able to kind of sway him that Dijama is wrong. So uh, back on the bridge, uh, they're, they've obviously gotten close enough to try and on, uh, that there are some trying on ships that appear. Uh, Dijamot hails them, uh, tells T'Pol to target the lead ship, but she refuses. Eventually, though, he forces her to, uh, fire on the ship, uh, and it is destroyed. Um, in sickbay, uh, we get a weird little comedic, I guess, sequence where Phlox lets his bat loose. <laughs> uh, it, on... it was a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, he needs some a distraction in order to, you know, use the, um, use the antidote, I guess you could call it, or the, the basically the, the compound that's going to neutralize the bio explosives. So he lets the bat loose. Uh, and in the meantime, Archer gets Reed, uh, so they can go to the armory for some weapons and free the Makos. Um, Fox sedates the alien, uh, and promises his bat that, uh, she'll get some nice snow beetles for her help. Uh, then Fox, uh, injects the antidote into the, uh, I guess the life support system on the ship. Uh, while up on the bridge, they're still battling uh, with the alien vessels. Uh, they're actually unable to do any more damage to them, though, because Archer is rerouted, rerouted rather, controls to engineering. Um, he announces that they've disabled uh, the explosives. Uh, Dijamot doesn't believe it, but Jessa and the Mako storm the bridge. Uh, they capture Dijamot and his men. Uh, Archer returns control of the weapons over and enters the bridge, hailing the aliens and explaining what has happened. Uh, we get one of the, I guess, the next to final scene of the episode uh, in the brig, uh, which we've seen actually a few times this season, it seems. Uh, Dijamot is telling Archer that he has interfered in his quest to bring peace to his people. Archer is obviously 
you know, and understandably very angry. He talks about, you know, how many people have died, all the damage to ships, other ships destroyed. But Dijamat says, all that matters is the sacred truth. Uh, Archer responds with, you want truth? Let me show you something. Cut to the surface of the planet Trinon. It's totally wrecked. <laughs> Everything's destroyed. It actually looks a bit like uh, the planet we saw on the f- uh, previous episode with Daniels, where they're transported to the future and Starfleet and everything mm. has been destroyed. It yeah. kind of reminded me of that. Uh, basically, uh, Archer tells uh, Dijamat that his people, both sides, the his people and the, and the quote-unquote heretics, uh, destroyed each other as far as they can tell, about eight months ago, right after Dijamat left on his pilgrimage. Um, he mentions, he kind of rubs uh, salt into Dijamat's wound by saying, your faith wanted to bring peace? Well, here it is. And the episode ends. Yeah, it was a very uh, Twilight Zone type ending. Yeah, it was It was Twilight Zone. It was actually, it also kind of reminded me, I mean, the whole... Not the not the way the episode was was executed, but the um, episode itself definitely rem- the the plot reminded me of kind of an older original series Star Trek episode. There's one actually it was like uh, I think it was called like Let This Be Your Final Battlefield that was actually very similar. Um, but uh, oh, and I, I forgot to mention real quick because um, I I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this, but um, I. I didn't know it exactly, but I know that there was a scene where they said something along the lines of, well, what is the big beef between <laughs> you and the heretics? And it was literally like the heretics thought these spheres were created in five days and the other side thought it was six or something. It was uh, nine days versus 10 days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was not a big fan of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt it was too heavy handed. Yeah. It's very on the nose. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were, it was about religious zealots who were suicide mm-hmm. bombers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just, I was not a fan. I was yeah. kind of tuning out actually yeah. while watching this episode. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, you know, I thought, wow, they, they really don't have, you know, for a show that seemed so concerned with killing uh, or even injuring crew members in the first and second seasons, that's really gone out the window. Um, you know, there, people are kind of getting killed a lot, um, now, and, and we have yet another Enterprise, uh, crewman that's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was only that it was a, it was a female crew member. I think it was, uh, only, I say in quotes, only her that was killed, but I'm not sure if they mentioned if anyone else was killed. They mentioned, I think he mentions that six people had lost their lives, but I wasn't sure if he was counting people on the uh, alien ship that they were forced to destroy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, like you said, very heavy handed. Um, you know, I, I, I can't recall. You mentioned when this first aired, but, you know, it's definitely not super long after September 11th. Um, not that it was you know, super close to that, but it was definitely terrorism related. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, you know, religious driven terrorism. Uh, I think, you know, this kind of thing in an original series episode in the sixties might've been a little more, uh, I don't know. 
I mean, it was maybe topical for this time that it was released, but yeah, it just wasn't the greatest episode. (laughs) I I don't know. I just felt like it could have been handled with a little more subtlety. Mm -hmm. You don't need to beat someone over the head with your symbolism. Right. Exactly. And I think also that that with the exception of the ending, um, which was really seemed to be played for, you know, shock value. Uh, I, I, there was never a point where I wasn't like, oh, I know exactly, you know, where this is heading. You know, I, 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 you could anticipate everything pretty much that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, well, obviously you knew they were going to defuse the situation somehow, but you know, these, these, um, when the aliens sh- showed up, I mean, you know from the get-go, they're up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't know that, that I, th- I guess maybe the one really, the one at least sort of intriguing aspect was the fact that they worship these spheres. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we got a little, we got the fact that, you know, they, there's a whole religion devoted to these things. Yeah, but I feel like religion was better, was handled a lot better in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, that was a whole thing about insurgency and, you know, and, and fundamental, you know, it was, that was a, an interesting take on it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, this one was uh, not subtle at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just didn't care for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, kind of disappointing after a strong, uh, episode last time we talked and mm-hmm. then we got two pretty mediocre to bad episodes. Well, you know, you never know. You know, it's definitely Enterprise is at a, at a point now where, you know, we've seen some really bright spots, but there are also some kind of dark zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully things, uh, you know, the, we're at a valley now, so hopefully there'll be a few more peaks. Yep. Uh, next time, we're going to talk about Proving Ground and Ooh. Stratagem. All right. Sounds great. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you then. Talk to you soon. Star Trek Enterprise. Have a drink with me. Who do you choose to pull off the biggest heist in the galaxy? I don't intend to destroy it. We're going to take it. But who's scamming who? The Imperial Guard doesn't serve at your leisure. You son of a... 